Welcome to Unlocking the Fitness Industry. I am your host, Jake Abel. I'm a two-time natural pro, a cellular athlete, and we're going to find the best way to get fit, to enter your competitions, and to look your best. So, here we go. Let's get into the episode. What's going on, legends? Thanks for listening in again. I can't wait for you to listen to this podcast I did with ZCAT. We touch on everything from masculinity, little bits of bodybuilding, how to come on the other side of bodybuilding. And I just think there's going to be a lot of tips for not only competition people are going to take away, but if you're just to help you with your everyday training. He's an absolute beast in the gym. Um, So yeah, definitely take tips out of that. Thanks to everyone taking screenshots, reposting this, getting the word out. It's absolutely amazing. I'm resharing everything. As always, hit me up on Jake underscore Able underscore Official on Instagram, and that's my main place of contact. Other than that, enjoy the podcast. And we are back. Another podcast. I've had a little bit of time. We're making sure that I'm lining some good guests up for you. And today is one of the nicest and prettiest guys in the industry, someone I came across We've been is probably one of my longest training partner friends now. So we're going to be able to get dive into heaps of different tips of kind of how we both come up um, throughout the industry. He's also a cellular athlete. Um, he was my training partner as I was training for the uh, Mister Fitness Australia in 2016. Um, so we, we know each other pretty well. So this is one of my most laid going to be a laid back podcast, and I reckon we're going to be able to just talk pretty naturally on some top fitness. Um, things and I've got a few, few questions that you guys have asked for Z. So I'll introduce you to him. This is Anthony Z Cat. What is your actual real last name again? It's Ray Cat. So it's pronounced, yeah, pronounced Ray Cat actually. Like no one in my entire life has ever got it right the first time. So anyone listening, if you can't pronounce it, it's all good. I'm going to forgive you. I have never said his last name in my life after <laughs> knowing you for like the last six years. So he's known as Anthony Z-Cat or Z. I'm going to refer to him pretty much as Z. Um, and yeah, he's come up through the fitness industry. We've got, he's a, been a judge, bodybuilder, um, been in and out to the front of the fitness industry and the back fitness industry. So I'll, to give a little basis for anyone that doesn't know you, Z-Cat, what I'll get you to do is why, what kind of got you into fitness? What was the first thing to get you into the gym? Um, yeah, sure, mate. So I guess for me, being in the fitness industry was something that, I mean, I started off in high school as a competitive gymnast. And for me, it was always about going against the crowd. You know, I wanted to do something that was, you know, something different, something that no one else was doing at the time. And I was fortunate enough to sort of to go to an all boys school that offered gymnastics. And um, obviously, I was no good at team sports, couldn't play footy, couldn't play soccer. And then I fell in love with gymnastics and it was that sort of, it was that solo pursuit of a sporting endeavor that I really loved where you are accountable. If you are in a sport or in training or in a competition, you know, everything falls on you. And I love that sort of aspect of things. And um, I guess in my senior year, I I got injured. I had two knee reconstructions and um, I sort of, I I tried to come back into the sport, but I was just always getting re-injured and I was sort of missing that drive and that competition and that savageness that I had in my training. And like weight training was always a part of, uh, I guess, like it was always a part of my cross training for gymnastics. So 
I've been sort of doing body weight, you know, push-ups, pull-ups, dips, all that sort of stuff. And then um, eventually when I was 18, I got introduced, I started working at a gym, um, got introduced to a couple of people that introduced me to the idea of competing. And at the time, um, fitness modeling and physique competitions were just coming in to into season. Like they were starting to get big. So I decided, yep, cool. Like this is something I want to do. Started training and just fell in love with it then. And the rest is history. Yeah. And I think that's kind of where it's quite exciting. Like you and I both kind of got into the physique training before it was very mainstream, before the Instagram, before any of those type of things where bodybuilding was kind of like, it wasn't in the, like a normal thing to do. People would ask you like back in the weird questions where I don't get asked this anymore, but it was always like, why do you wear tan? Why are you so dark? Do you dehydrate (laughs) water for five days? Um, and all those like misconceptions, which funnily enough, I don't get those questions anymore. Yeah, I'm the same. Like, I, I've rarely gotten asked those questions too. But I think it's become more mainstream, especially in Melbourne and Victoria. I mean, in other states is a little bit different, but definitely in Melbourne, that whole competition scene is, it's, it's more of a normality now. Like people understand that you know, if someone's covered in tan and they're, you know, walking around at 5% body fat that, Hey, there's, they're obviously got a photo shoot or they're doing a competition or some sort of um, endeavor within that industry. Yeah. And I think like the douchiness has almost been taken out a little bit. Like if you were walking around without a shirt on taking photos, like everyone would look at you. Like I know definitely when I started, everyone was like, what the hell? is this guy doing like it wasn't like super just take photos and stuff back then. Um, and it was super, like, I, I had shirtless photos on MySpace. Um, that's how, how far it was back, but Jeez, I think, that's, like, that's going back a while. Legit, now it's just like become the norm. Like every time I go to the gym, I see someone like, <clears throat> posing, taking a photo and it's just kind of like it's turned into the fitness normal now. Mm. Yeah, definitely agree with you there. So the biggest thing is, uh, like growing up with the Australian fitness industry, we had pretty much where the first time I kind of crossed paths with you and kind of met you after the Arnold. Um, Kind of for anyone that wasn't around in that time or kind of new to training or didn't end up at an expo like that, how was the vibes that, was that your first ever expo as well? Um, My first ever expo was actually, um, it was the one before the Arnold Classic. So that was in 2014 at the FitX. Yeah. Um, and I, I think that that was like, you know, it wasn't as big as the Arnold's, but it was the fitness industry was getting there. It was getting traction and, and people were starting to really engage with, with the supplements and um, the training and the influencers were starting to come out as the rise of social media was starting to take over that fitness industry. Um, <clears throat> but then, yeah, sort of kicking into the Arnold's, that's when it really sort of took off. And, and for anyone that was at those events, like they were just like, it was just a seismic event. I mean, you had international athletes coming in from all over the world. You had competitions. The, the vibe was just amazing. If you were, if you loved anything to do with fitness and lifestyle and any of that, those sort of things, then yeah, it was just the place to be. And that's the thing. Like, the first couple of Arnold's as well, like pretty much all the top, top bodybuilders came out, all fitness influencers, Gymshark made their debut on their world tour. Um, so it was just like, I even like look at old videos from back then and I'm just like, holy hell, the amount of people that like came up through that and that they brought to Melbourne 
um, was absolutely unreal. And I think like that whole weekend, I was just like legit living off pre-workout and just buzzing the whole time. <laughs> yeah, I was exactly the same, mate. It's, and it was just, a, it was just a vibe. I mean, I think like, and especially for, for me, like first coming into the industry, I've just got this overwhelming sense of joy being at these events. I was just like, wow, this is where everything's happening. This is where, you know, this is where the industry really comes alive. You've got the athletes, you've got the environment, you've got the atmosphere. And it was kind of like a music festival just in fitness. And yeah, true. Yeah, for me, like I remember going to these things and just falling in love with it and spending like all three days there, going to see every single seminar. You know, I, I know me and you went to the business seminars as well when we watched mm. the shows and it was just a whole weekend event. And the, the friends that you made and the connections that you made there were just, you know, everyone sort of sort of comes together with this with common interest and common vision of, you know, health and fitness throughout the industry. And it was just a great weekend. Yeah. And then the best feeling was like after the <clears throat> you go to Doherty's and everyone's smashing a workout <laughs> using that the like all the pre workouts that they've been drinking all day and um and that's where we first cr- cr- cross paths like face to face for the first time. <laughs> it was um it was at Doherty's at the water fountain, if I remember correctly. Yeah, exactly. Taking a long time. <laughs> um, filling up my Wow. Bottle. And we and we would have been only like 20, 21 at the time. And I remember sort of looking over, I'm just like, who is this like shredded guy? You know, I see him at the Sally Court stand handing out pre-workouts. Um, and that's sort of when we sort of crossed paths for the first time. And then I guess we sort of stayed in touch and I saw you at Mix a couple of times. And then, yeah, we just became friends ever since. Mm. And that's crazy. And this kind of brings us to, to <clears throat> one other question. Like the next question is like, how important do you think that say that when you are in your training is that circle of support. Um, I know you have many different, not only for fitness is different little circles for support. Um, what's the benefits behind that? Um, definitely. Well, I mean, every single entrepreneurial business book you read will say that you are the products of the five people you hang around with. So, um, you know, and that's what me saying that this is, this is, years and years of research and of you know, principles being said in that one statement. And I couldn't think of anything more true. I mean, you replicate the people you hang around. So if, if you're training with someone and they all of a sudden like, and, and they're at a higher level than you, they're bigger than you, they're stronger than you. Yeah. They, they're more flexible than you. They have a better training mentality than you. Then automatically they're going to increase your level of commitment to that, that area of training that you're in. It's kind of like a thermostat, you know, like if, if someone else is burning at a higher heat, mm. then automatically you're going to be raised to that level of temperature based on the other person. And you know, I've spent most of my training career training with people bigger than me, heavier than me, stronger than me. And always like I'm training with people that make me level up as a person and as an athlete. So you know, you never want to be like, this is, this is just my advice guys, but you know, from someone who's been in the industry and trained a long time, um, you never want to train with, you always want to train with people that make you level up as a person. And as a trainer, I mean, I spent four years, I wanted to work on my strength. So I spent four years training with a good mate of mine, Callan, who was a powerlifter. And then all of a sudden my strength increased incrementally by associating with someone that was stronger than me. Mm. And I think it's a really like as an athlete, you kind of have to humble yourself in and being excited that, Hey, I'm going to train with someone who's better than me in this aspect or this, this area. 
and I'm going to get excited because now I can work on that because it is an area that I can learn off someone <clears throat> and be around these people who are going to make me excel and progress because I'm associating with people that are better than me, stronger than me, more fitter than me, more endurance than me, that are leaner than me. And especially when you're competing as well, like for anyone that's competing or doing comp reps, if you're competing and it's getting hard and you're dieting and that sort of stuff, that circle support becomes so important. Like yeah. I can't even des describe how important that circle support is, you know, leading to your coach, leading to your teammates and <clears throat> no, just be around people that are all working towards that common mission and that are all in the same boat together and all working towards the same thing and that are all making you level up each time you're training. So yeah. it, it's incredibly important, mate. I mean, it's, it's probably one of the, apart from training mentality, it's probably the second most important thing you can do when you're training is surround yourself with people that are better than you so mm. you can learn off them. And it humbles you. <clears throat> like, I find I'm kind of the person I've always trained alone. Like, um, just because to the fact that I couldn't find anyone that would train every day. I couldn't find anyone that would train to my intensity. Um, especially at that younger age, when we did start, there was a lot of people that would rather go out clubbing and doing all those type of things. Um, mm, so how do you find those type of people that, um, like are willing to put <coughs> body, body further in a way? So what was the question again? Like, as in, how do you find... How do you kind of... Yeah, so, like, you're exercise scientist, you're a PT, you spend a lot of your time training other people. Yeah, yeah. How do you create that relationship where you're actually benefiting it instead of, say, like... I'd say, like, PTs are probably going to be the hardest person to find someone as, a, like, a training partner <laughs> because everyone wants to train with you as a PT. Like, especially you, you're mm. su super qualified. You've had a huge career... How do you make it like a co collab relationship instead of just <clears throat> one kind of take, take, take or, or you giving yeah. your PTs out in a way? <clears throat> yeah, definitely. Okay. Yep. I'm with you now. So I guess in this, in this, like in regards to that question within the industry, like it's so easy to network. It's so easy. And we suppose with social media and that sort of thing as well, I guess like your ability to network and to expand your, I guess expand your circle in terms of people that you can train with is, <clears throat> is crucial. And like, I always go in when I'm training with anyone, again, what I was saying before, I always go in with the mentality that I can learn off everyone. Yeah. So I might be training with someone that might not be as lean as me or as strong as me, but his mentality might be mm. like, might supersede my mentality every in every single facet. So I'm yeah. just like, okay, well I need to, like you can always learn something of someone. And if you, if you go in with that growth mindset, it, with that growth mindset and that abundance mentality within your training and within, you know, the people that you train with and you work with, then you'll always have something to learn and you'll always remain a student within the industry. You know, as soon as you think you know it all is the day that you stop progressing. And yeah. for guys like us, it's, that is like the detriment to, you know, to our training. Like if, if we train and we don't progress, what's the point? You know, we have to always keep moving forward. And the way we move forward is by surrounding ourselves and learning us, learning of other people and growing through other people. And in return, I'm sure those people grow from, from myself as well. Mm. I mean, I have something to offer them. They have something to offer me. And it's just a mutual beneficial, like mutual beneficial relationship or a partnership. If you like to call it that within our training realm. So yeah. it's, you can always learn of someone. 
And yeah. it's the, the trick is just to humble yourself in every avenue and never think like you know it all. And that, that, that's the number one key that you <clears throat> shut with it. Like, you should be worried or careful, especially if coaches or anything like that, or any type of thing that they've got the answer and that they're like, this is the way to do it. My way or the high road, trust the process, just do it. Um, mm. And that's like huge thing. Like I've learned a lot off like training with bikini athletes. I've learned a lot with training with um, like people like yourself. Like even I think I train hard. Like I think I go freaking hard and I'm all, I've always like, even like on my Instagram, I'll be putting like, make like 80% of people don't train hard enough. And I'm looking around, I'm like, I'm always the hardest worker in the room until I train <laughs> the other day. Then I was like, holy hell. Like, <laughs> this is the one percent of just insanity. When we did that massive leg session. With, <laughs> yeah. Just like, all right, we'll yep. load the leg press up to 11 things. I was like, all right, this is going to be a hard for 10. You're like 30 yep. reps. And I'm just screwed. 10? No way. <laughs> I'm not even I'm not going to apologize for that at all mate no. and that's where I think like even <clears throat> watching you grow through the last four to five years is you just your methods changing as well and using different types of mm. things which you've obviously learned and then passing on to me and like bouncing off each other with different types of things um and yeah I, th I think that's super interesting and then how that's changing your physique as well so just for people, like what I'm going to try and keep in mind is like I super know exactly what you look like and what your kind of goals are. Just for people that are listening, what is – so where's your goal? Like so you've had the body – done bodybuilding, that type of stuff. What is your goals for training at the moment? <clears throat> to be honest, so yeah, just, just for a bit of background for everyone um, who might not know me. So yeah, like as Jake alluded to before, I'm, you know, I've competed fitness modeling. I've competed in bodybuilding. Um, and in the bodybuilding, I did compete in my under 70 kilo WFF class and did the NABA WFF as well. Um, but I guess for me now, um, training for me, and I'm sure this can relate to a lot of people that aren't just in the industry, but just like to train training for me is more so a barometer for my life. I mean, if my training is good, if I'm in a good macro cycle, if I'm in a good session, if I'm in a good place physically, it transcends to every single avenue of my life. I mean, mm. I did have a season in my life, you know, three or four years ago where fitness was my, was my main driver. That was my main focus, but now business is my focus and um, building an online company. So, and it, it's, it's funny because I actually train harder now than I did back when fitness was the focus because now I've, it's sort of like my years and years of training and my training mentality have just compounded on top of each other. And I'm left with basically like a, uh, I don't even know how to, like a sort of relentless sort of style of training. I don't know how to train any, like, I don't know how to train soft. I don't know how to you know, do deloads. I don't know how to go half-assed in my training. It just, I just go max out every single time. And the harder I train, the better I am at my relationships, the better I am at my business, the yeah. better I am at <clears throat> basic, at my sleep, at my, at my habits, like everything just gets better incrementally. So for me, training is just a standard, you know, and I think that's where a lot of people fall down. They, I see so many people, especially like coming into COVID and that sort of thing where they don't know what they're training for. Um, you know, they say, Oh, I don't have a training goal. I don't have a training goal. Oh, I'm just going to go in and do a comp and I'll sit down with people and be like, okay, that's, that's awesome. So why are you doing this comp for? 
and they'll be like, oh, I just need a training goal. I just need a training goal. And I'm like, that's great. That's awesome. But what are you going to do after the comp's gone? Are you going to let it all go? Are you going to drop your standards? Are you going to do like, it, it's so variable. And yes. so what I usually, I try and tell people, you know, I don't train for an outcome. I mean, obviously the outcome is, you know, I want to look good. I want to feel good and I want to be healthy, but I train for a standard. And if you have that standard, it's like every single time you set foot through those doors, it's, it's do or die. It's make it happen. It's be relentless. It's that indomitable willpower that you have that no matter what happens within this session, I hold myself accountable to the standard that I've set out and nothing is going to get in my way of achieving that. So that's basically it. I train for life, you know, life's a stage, Like I don't necessarily, I'm out of the competition scene now. It's something I may return to later down the track, but for now, it's just a barometer for the rest of my life. And I'm so grateful to have, <clears throat> you know, still access to training and the, you know, even just the little equipment that I have now, like during isolation, it's just a standard that I maintain regardless of if I have a facility or not, regardless of if I have time or not, it's, it's just a standard. It's just a constant and it's something that will always like stay consistent in my life. Yeah. And that's what are the number one reasons I wanted to get you on because you kind of transferred <clears throat> of doing your comps at a pretty young age and you're kind of almost not just living for the next comp, living for the next comp, training for the next comp. It's you kind of balance this lifestyle off the back of it, which I think is super important. But the question that does come along is like, mm. watch like, so like you get those people that do comps after comps and the comps. And the only reason they're setting that comps for that short term deadline to stay motivated, hit that and then go into the next one. So like, if you're doing this <coughs> on the long term, you'll want to go hard out all the time, bring absolutely insane training sessions. How do you stay motivated in that long, long term where you don't actually have an end date. It's just like you're giving it every, every you're all for each day. Um. <laughs> This is actually a pretty interesting question, and um, I would. It's funny. I was I was asked this not too long ago. You know, how do you stay motivated? Mm. And to be honest, like I had to actually stop and think about the answer because I'm like, you know what? It's actually just a habit now. Like yeah. I, I don't actually like. I'm sure I know the answer somewhere deep down, but like I'll have to. I'm like, sorry, bro. I have to get back to you on that. You know, yeah. I actually don't know. I can't recall it off the top of my head. But I guess how do I stay motivated? I mean. It's the same thing what I said before. It's a mentality. It's a, um, it's almost like a, actually it is a personal covenant that I make to myself that when I step through those doors, when I train, I want to be the hardest worker in that room. I want to outwork, you know, I'm not sort of looking left, right and seeing who I'm outworking. I'm like, it's me versus me. Mm. So <clears throat> for, for myself, like this is a mentality that I've had sort of indoctrinated into me from an early age. I mean, I've been fortunate enough to have very strong coaches and male influences in my life. I mean, my, through my gymnastics, I had a Christian brother who he could probably, I mean, he was the strictest hard ass I've ever come across. And, you know, with him, he was had such a, you know, you either get it done or get out of my face. And that sort of stuck with me. And then I was going into bodybuilding. I was so fortunate to be coached by, um, by Glenn Catello from Athletes with Attitude. And I mean, Glenn now, he's one of my best mates and I'm a part of his family. And you know, massive shout out to Glenn and the family if they're listening to this. But <clears throat> he was the same, an absolute hard ass. He would make sure he would ride me, not because he wanted to torture me, but because he knew I could take it. And he knew that 
he wouldn't expect anything less. And it's funny because you have a coach that's such a hard ass on you and he's so intense and he's so, how do you put it? Like he, he just expects the absolute best from you. And in a weird way, it makes you respect them even more because they never gave up on you, you know? Yeah. And I think for me, like having those strong influences within my coaching has translated over into me being like relentless within my training. I mean, that it's, it's, it's literally that it's a personal covenant that when I step through those doors and when I start training, I get in my zone, I make sure the work is done and I don't leave until that standard is met and I uphold myself to that standard and I take ownership. <clears throat> I think a lot of people need to take ownership of their training. I mean, if you get into the, if you get into the gym and you're not training hard enough and you don't have the results, then don't complain about the results you don't have with the effort you didn't put in. You know, it, it comes down to that and there's no shortcuts literally no shortcuts you know it's you versus you there's nowhere to hide you either get the results or you don't it's black and white you know it, it's you know and there's a quote that i love to hear <clears throat> there's actually a quote that one of my mentors has told me pretty recently and it's success has no sympathy for the validity of your excuses <clears throat> so let's just translate that into a bench press you know if you're or a, a, that leg session we did the other day if we're doing leg press <clears throat> and there's 20 reps but you could have done 40 yeah, you know, like success doesn't care, you know, like it's, it's, it's completely irrelevant. You might've done 20 and that's great, but you had another 20 left. So you've just cheated yourself on 50% capacity. And if you compound that over a year or two years, I mean, that is a, an enormous amount of work that you're missing out on just because you didn't want to go that extra mile. And for someone like myself, like I refuse to, sell myself short, you know, I refuse to, you know, be less than what I could be. I refuse to be, to hold myself to a lower standard than what I know I can achieve. And like, just knowing that I could have done more and I could have been better, but I didn't because I was soft and I chose consciously to tell myself that I'm worth less than what I deserve in that set. I can't live with that way. I can't live that way. And it sounds harsh. It sounds direct. And it sounds quite savage. But for me, that's what works for me. That's the, that's the training mentality that I adopt is something that's savage, black and white, no excuses, take no prisoners mentality, you know, and that's what's worked for me. And that's how I've been brought up with my coaching. And that's how I train. You go in, you get it done. No excuses. Whenever you think you've got more, you always have more and you leave nothing in the tank. And if you don't get the results you want, don't cry about it just rock up the next day and be better. It's as simple as that. Yeah. And that's something like, that kind of a, like when we train that, like awoke me up big time, like that, that weight that we stuck on that leg press is like, I would almost be like, no, I would be like struggling for 10, but I still got 30. And it's like, they weren't fucking pretty reps in that, the last couple, but my potential was there <laughs> that I could actually have it. So it's like, mm. there was almost, I needed that to get out of that rut. And that mind block is just someone to absolutely freaking shake the world up and just be like, do it, mm. let's go. <laughs> and yeah. uh, like, and then it's just, exactly. I, I, I think we underestimate our own potential. Definitely. And it's, it's, it's good. And, and coming back to your earlier question where, you said, how important is it to train with people mm. in your circle? I'm like, well, that's, that's like the major benefit of your circle. You will be with someone and you're not only accountable to yourself now, but you're accountable to that other person. And so when you're training with other people, make sure that they don't take your shit. 
make sure yeah. that they hold you accountable to not just how you see yourself, but how, how they see yourself because someone always has a different perspective. And if you're around people with that growth mindset and around people that want to see you do better, they will always see that you can do more. They'll always see the potential in you. So even those sets where you're thinking, oh, it's hurting, it's, it's getting tough, it's getting this, it's getting that, whatever's going through your head, they will see it. There might just be one thing where better, like, come on, mate, you got 10 more. Come on, keep going. Or yeah. just you know, a last pause, you know, whatever it is, anything to squeeze out that last little bit of you know, effort that you can put in those sets, you know, that's so important. And that's why it's, it's paramount to surround yourself with people that will hold you not only to the standard you set yourself, but to the highest standard that they see that you can become. Yeah, 100% agree. And that's going <clears> to <throat> bring to this next opposite version of that question is, <laughs> this is going to break it into two different, <clears throat> different parts, is that how do you fight ego? So that's going to be the first, first part of it. And it's like the more <laughs> ego as you walk into the gym, you're keeping an eye on other people watching you lift, especially you um, if you're at, guys if you're at home, if you haven't seen um z's physique look him up on instagram when you do you walk in and you're going to notice um so you shred it as walk in you got eyes on you like how do you keep grounded um within ego like for the whole e ego side of things because you say you kind of um, on your own own training own <coughs> me knowing you as well um is you're one of the most humblest guys ever so how do you keep that in check um, well, just a bit of a backstory for everyone listening, guys, I used to have a massive ego problem and my ego problem was so bad that, you know, and this was like when I was like 18, 19, I thought I was the most shredded person on the planet. And this ego problem hit me in the face when I thought I would enter my first INBA comp and I was like, I look good. I'm shredded. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm just going to win this going to be the next best thing. And I literally had 30 of my friends and family come and watch me for my first ever competition. You know, you get that hype. And then all of a sudden I did the comp. I come dead last, <laughs> come last twice in front of my friends and family. I felt so defeated. And you know, that's when my coach Glenn picked me up and I guess managing my ego in, in terms of that, a huge part of that was my coach Glenn. You know, I had a really good upbringing with him and he slammed me down. You know, he didn't take the fact that I was egotistical. He accepted the fact that I was relentless in my training and brought me down, basically brought me down to earth and said, dude, like you're going to be up against people that look better than you, that are better than you, that train harder than you. And as soon as I started you know, training around people that were better than me, you know, the word, mentally stronger than me physically stronger than me that in itself made me humble myself in, in my training and like don't get me wrong like you need to have ego to a certain level i mean the ego is what makes you want to be relentless in the training want to outdo yourself last time it, it makes you savage like when you're yeah. training but what people need to do is understand that i need to control my ego like it's not about walking in and being like oh all eyes are on me like you stay in your own lane. I mean, yes, you look good. Yes, you, you know, you can train hard, but it's, you've earned that, but you haven't earned that to rub it in other people's faces. You've earned that because you have this indomitable will within your own self that when you train, you do it for a purpose that isn't to outdo anyone, but it's to be your best. And I think it comes down to that the whole reason why are you training 
if you're training just to look good for girls or just to, you know, look, you know, like make other boys jealous or like, I don't know, whatever you're doing. I mean, these can all be little things that like, again, like feed that training mentality and things that, you know, you can get leverage on yourself with. Um, but I guess like it comes down to your values in your training. Why are you training? Why do you want to look a certain way? Why do you want to be in the gym and, and outdo yourself every single day? Is it for external gratification or is it for internal satisfaction that you came, you conquered and you did the very best you could not for anyone else, but for you. And I think that is, that is the fundamentals of it. You know, your training values. Why are you in the gym? Why are you training? And there's been times in my life where, Hey, like I have wanted to look better than the other guys in the gym. And I'll be completely transparent with you. Now there has been times when I'm like, yeah, you know what? There has been times, like a lot of the times I do want to look good for girls. Like that's a completely honest thing I'll say. Like, I want to look good. I want to have big arms, big chest. You know, if other women find me attractive, I want to be an example for, you know, for other people out there that they can train. But, you know, you've just got to find that anything that you can find to get leverage on yourself, take it, but just make sure that it filters through your values and filters through the core value that I'm doing this for me and no one else. Yeah. And then once you sort of have that mentality, then it's not about trying to outdo anyone else. It's about trying to outperform you and just trying to humble yourself along the way. Yeah. Um, and that's the other thing, like you touched on, you can't really do it for girls, but it's a byproduct. Like if you do it only for girls, you get a girlfriend, then what? You're just going to send it to never train again. Um, well, they're gonna... It's not constant, you know? Yeah. One question like interests me. What, were you insecure when you first kind of started gym? Um, when you say secure, like, like, insecure. like physically, emotionally, oh, insecure. Not really. Um, so you're pretty confident no, so, as a kid growing up and all that kind of stuff. Um, growing up, I, I guess like in high school, I struggled to fit in. Um, yeah. no, I struggled to fit in in groups and like make solid friendships and that sort of thing. Um, I had this, like I was, I was a massive people pleaser in high school. So I guess I wouldn't say I was insecure, but I wanted people to like me and like, I wanted to be liked. Um, but coming into training, um, I was like this, and this is again, me being very transparent with everyone here, but there's never a point in my life where I didn't think I looked good, to be honest. Like I, I was one of those kids in high school where I always had a six pack, you know, I was always training. I was training super hard, like in high school. I mean, I started training at 12 and I was literally doing, you know, in a home, my home gym for four or five years before I set, gym, set foot in a commercial gym. And I, I guess like I had that consistency where like I'm training, I'm looking good. Everyone's telling me I'm looking good. And especially with social media, you might upload a photo, you know, you share this online and you get a lot of comments and those endorphin rushes and those dopamine hits with every single like and comment. Um, you know, there hasn't been a time where like I've been insecure physically, definitely been insecure emotionally um, for, for different reasons, but physically I can't recall a time. Yeah. And that's interesting. The reason I bring that up is like, even like thinking of like when I started to get into the gym and why I wanted to, and like, I I was actually a super shy kid, like, like, especially probably around the age of like 17, 18, super shy. And I kind of like still can 
fall into it in different crowds if they're not my crowd. But like, and I've almost taken on this kind of fitness persona when I started to go in, especially with all the opportunities and with SoCore and doing like, like I've had to give like speeches at expos in front of hundreds of thousand people, got on stage at expos and things like that. And it's almost this weird thing that it's like, now I'm at this stage that I'm like, I think I luck, I'm lucky that I had all of that because my confidence is so high. I don't really give a fuck what anyone thinks about me. Um, and it's kind of just always built on, on that. And um, I think like that's where I'm so lucky that I've almost become so self-confident in myself that I've completely lost anything that, that I did have those insecurities like that. And that's why I think, yeah, Mm. definitely the mindset behind training and how it does build you up as a person. And like, we're both lucky to grow up in this industry and it's Mm. kind of almost been for us our kind of like founding ways of keeping our like 10 commandments or something like we keep structured. It's kept us on the straight and narrow. We've learned so much from it. And, um, even going down, like when you say in, on that mental side, like we, we, when we both had issues together, we had similar issues at the same time and we'd go to the gym and work it out and talk it out where I think like the whole masculinity side of people, like we're, we're quite lucky that we're very open with each other and talk our insecurities through and things like that. And I just think there's so many people and especially men that don't talk about things like the feelings like that. Um, just miss out on that because it is that kind of like we've got that bond because we've been training together for so long and things like that, that we share something like different. Yeah, definitely. And I think that that's a huge thing as well is, you know, that willingness and openness to be vulnerable with, with others and with with yourself. I mean, that's a tough thing. And as guys, you sort of, especially within the fitness industry, you know, like I've, I've mentioned this a couple of times on some of my Instagram posts, but know within the fitness industry like i definitely thought that you know, the, the meaning of masculinity was encompassed by a stoic you know shredded aesthetic representation of someone who was flamboyant and you know sort of fit into that physiological construct that you needed to be big you needed to have good arms you needed to you know be have sort of a flamboyant personality and if you didn't fit into that in whatever capacity then you know you weren't perceived as someone masculine and you know it, it's 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 such a it's it's such a it couldn't be further away from the truth and yeah. you know like guys like us we, we can come into the gym and and yeah like as you're saying with mental health you know we, we can come in and we've got that close friendship we can talk things out if we're if we're both struggling or you know i've got no i've got like if we're both struggling or we've got something on our minds like you know, I've, I've, I wouldn't hesitate to, to just give you a call and be like, Hey, let's, let's go to gym sessions, get a feed. And, you know, the mere fact that we're, we can talk about, you know, what's going on in our lives, but at the same time, we're moving, we're moving our bodies, we're getting an endorphin rush, you know, that actual, like that physical point of moving and talking, it's so precious. I mean, if you've ever tried to like be sad and then jump up and down and smile at the same time, I guarantee you, you won't be like you won't be sad for much longer. Like you, there's, you can't disassociate from your body. So, and that's, it's the same thing of, of training. So if you're training and you're moving your body, you're getting stronger, you're getting fitter, you're moving forward, you're adding strength, you're adding size physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, you can't disassociate. So you always feel better after you train and talk it out at the same time. Like it could be something small, like, um, 
you know, like you might, you know, I know for you, you just moving house and you're a little bit stressed or it might be something big like a relationship breakdown and you just need someone there for support. But regardless, you come together, you start moving, you move forward, you talk it out, you be vulnerable and you work through it together and you don't turn to things like drugs or alcohol. We don't turn to things like pornography or whatever you're doing. You know, it's, it's, you're actually taking mature steps in terms of you know, rectifying and moving forward from whatever's going on in your life. And it's all through training and being vulnerable. Yeah. And there's so many life's lessons that you can learn through <clears throat> everything. Like in the end, in the gym, if you're doing it properly, you should be failing every time. So you shouldn't be fear of failure. So if you're failing in the gym every day, you shouldn't be worried about a business venture that you might fail. You're not worried about failing in front, trying to impress a girl because you're so used to it. Well, you just get up, do another set. So there's so many like life lessons. I think that, yeah, you can relate back to the gym and what's pretty much <clears throat> helped me build a business, helped me get over like breakups and things like that. And constantly like find what like other aspects of life has all been based that I have that foundation. I wake up, I'm going to gym. I've learned stuff from gym. And it's mm. like you said, like in the end for when we've got these long-term goals, it's like, well, we eat every day. You sleep every day. We gym. And it's just a part of just habits, habits and rituals. And it just then like, even when someone's going through turmoil or things like that, I'm like, cool, get your nutrition right, get your training right. And you'll be surprised how quick that's going to go into other aspects of your life. Mm, definitely. Something I wanted to hear you talk on about other side of ego. Um, I couldn't really mash these two questions together. Ego lifting. So you li lift freaking heavy. Um, you do some insane amount of deadlifts, lift some like power lifting weight. Um, what's your kind of like they, they say to kind of be warned, where do you draw the line between ego lifting and then not training hard enough? Um, well, I'll put it this way. I mean, ego lifting is an interesting one because I mean, yes, you want to train at 110% capacity. Like that is a given, like that is a standard you set for yourself. And you know, for me personally, like I go into the gym and I expect nothing less than the capacity and the, the standard that I uphold myself to and that I hold myself accountable accountable to every single time but in terms of ego lifting i mean you can spot it a mile away mm. i mean it's black and white it's form like you know lifting is governed by form form is the key so if you have someone who wants to deadlift and all of a sudden their back is arched their hips are you know, they're hitching at their hips you know they're they're valgating at their knees obviously it's too heavy and it takes again it comes back to that humility to take a stand and be like, I am not strong enough to lift this weight, not because I'm weak, but because I'm progressing and I'm not quite at that level of progression that I thought I was. So like, it's like, it's, it's so easy to see even bench press as well. Like, you know, you might see someone load up the plates and they only come halfway down, you know, it's obviously it's too heavy. You know? mm -hmm. so, so again, like what's the value? What are they trying to do? What are they trying to lift? You know, are they doing it to satisfy their own ego. Or they're doing it because they generally want to progress. And if progression is the goal and personal excellence and standards are the goal, then you'll go all the way down. 
but if looking good for the person next to you yeah. or just trying to boost your ego or get a pick me up um, is the goal, then yeah, like, you know, you're going to sort of subside into that ego lifting category and look like everyone does it time to time. If you do like ego lift, like I've done it, you've done it. Like we've all done it. It's not a bad thing, but it's just, I guess like catching yourself in those moments and be like, you know what? I might have to pull myself back here because risk of injury is a lot greater. And you know, I'm like, it just taking that stand to be like, I'm not strong enough to lift this yet. I'm going to take a step back, regress a little bit and work my way towards it when I can do it better. Yeah. And, and the real big thing to think about on the back end of that is like both you and I are pretty high elite level athletes. Like we've been doing this for 10 years plus we know our bodies quite well um we've been doing progressive overload for 10 years plus so we we know when it's like good and bad and things like that where if you're starting out or you're newer in the industry um that's where yeah you you want to you're not going to go from lifting your max pb of a deadlift at 120 and then try and lift 200 um that it's yeah. yeah it's being with within in that within reason and i even like catch a few people like a few of my training partners that i do train with from time to time trying to lift the weights i lift and i'm like no you're not a professional athlete take some of those off still like and they're like oh i want to lift the same weight i'm like well i've been doing this for 10 years you've been doing it for two so like don't feel bad <laughs> that you have to take plates mm. off um everyone's got their own own level of like and, and what I kind of thought about the other day as well that I haven't actually ever thought about is like someone that's training, let's just use bench press for an example, at 50 kilos that have never like really done bench press and us training at 100 kilos, they might be getting more out of it at 50 kilos because we're just still trying to reach that point of fatigue and progressive overload that they could be getting like more out of getting a 50 than us at 100 exactly well, it's really relative you know yeah 100 <clears throat> percent. so so yeah you might have someone who's like brand new and they just start out training it's like they might do 50 but that might be their max so their mm -hmm. relative max to them that's their 100 percent capacity whereas we might be doing 100 kilos but our capacity is 140 so by percentage that person is like still even though they're lifting lighter than us like yeah. relative to our weight, they're actually percentage wise um, outworking us. If yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That, that was a way better way, way to say it than I said it. So <laughs> your training methods have changed over time. I've seen them change. You've put me through killer workouts before. Um, how have your training methods trained? What are you currently doing for your training at the <clears> moment? <throat> how do they differ between what you do now and what you do cutting down for a show? Um, what's the, like, probably let's, let's do the top, like maybe top three tips that you've learned over your whole career of training that you could just give to say your son that's growing up. That's like, dad, how do I, um, what, what, what's your best tips for training? Best tips for training is variety, consistency, and intensity. Um, probably everything that I've learned in training will come down to those three categories and, um, I guess like now within my training, I'm in a phase like I've, I've been through different phases in training. Um, but now I love, like I train not, I don't really come in with a, like, all right, I'm doing a strength phase. I'm doing a hypertrophy phase. I'm doing this phase. I come in more with a, I'm going to hit 
my muscle from every single angle possible. Mm. So in one session, just to say I'm training chest, you know, I will do, I'll start off with a pre-fatigue method. So I'll really pump up that muscle, get, get it nice and warm, get some blood in there. And then straight after pre-fatigue, I will move to a heavy, heavy, heavy lift. So I'll go from like three to five, I'll, I'll do like six working sets and I'll go three to five reps. That's after I've warmed up into it and I'll go as heavy as I can. So I might do a dumbbell incline press. I'm doing a lot of incline work lately just to work on my upper chest. Um, but yeah, they'll move from a pre-fatigue you know, or warm-up exercise into a very heavy lift. And then straight from that heavy lift, I'll move up to more of a you know, 10 to 12 rep range. And then my last exercise, I will hit you know, probably 20 reps. If I'm doing something like legs like we did the other week, um, yeah. I'll do 30, 40 reps, 50 reps even. You know, I might even do 100s. You know? like I just keep going. Like that last exercise is just to completely exhaust the muscle tissue. Um, once I've done my strength, once I've done my hypertrophy, I just completely exhaust it. But the whole time I'm doing my training is I'm accumulating volume, which is the main thing. So every single body part I hit, I will accumulate 20 working sets worth of work in that hour, hour and a half that I'm training. So even arms, I'll accumulate 20 sets and I will hit different rep ranges. I'll hit strength. I'll hit endurance. I'll hit hypertrophy. I'll hit time under tension. Even things like, you know, doing those long eccentric pauses, explosive movements, um, just trying to hit the muscle from every single angle possible. But as long as I get a heavy strength exercise in, and get those numbers up and I get any, any, and I completely exhaust right at the end, then it's the main thing. So I leave with nothing left in the tank. Yeah. And I think like both of our training methods are very similar, like especially even over time that they have like been, been very similar. And it's more of that like chronic adaptation is going to be the number one thing. Um, so where do you like put yourself? Cause you can talk on both sides of the evidence-based study versus bro science. Um, and balancing them both, like from the sounds of that, like an evidence-based study person would look at that and be like, overtraining, <clears throat> up too much variability. Um, you need to have this, this, and this. Where the bro science is like, you're not doing split bodies. Where do you sit yourself in that kind of level? Look, when it comes to both, I mean, um, I do have an exercise science background with postgraduate and exercise physiology, and you know, like to most people on paper, I'm quite educated, um, but look, you, you can learn everything you want within a book, within a textbook, but practical application of what you've learned and theoretical, you know, theoretical knowledge like that you read in a book, they're two different things. Mm. You know, like no book is going to tell you exactly how your body's going to respond with this type of training, with this type of training, that type of training. Like, so really you've got to go in and experiment on yourself. Like you've really got to go in, see what works for you. And, <clears throat> and yeah, just, see how your body works and take ownership of your training, take ownership of your recovery, take ownership of your diet. And if something's not working, change it. If something is working, cool, keep doing it better. Um, but I mean, for me personally, like, and I've had this said, you know, countless amount of times before I train seven days a week and I train for about an hour and a half a day. <clears throat> and that training, anyone who knows me, anyone who see me train is, that is a hard hour and a half. That is a relentless, indomitable, that is a savage hour and a half that I just put my body in an assault. 
no on assault you know it's it's just no leave no prisoners you're working at max capacity and intensity is just through the roof but for me that's not overtraining mm. for me i'm used to that now, it's a training adaptation yeah. i'll do that and i'll do the leg session we did the week i won't pull up sore you know but someone else they might their capacity might only be four days a week training and a fifth day might be overtraining you know so it's completely relative to the person bro science does have some validity here and there um i've found you know like like you know bits and pieces here and there but the underlying theme is you've got to get in and you've got to try it yourself you've yeah. got to see what works for you what doesn't work for you if something works great how can you increase that capacity if something doesn't work great what did you learn and how can you apply it next time into your next training method into your next like session like it's always a continual learning curve and like even now like i consider myself still so much to learn i mean i trained with one of my good friends this morning um not this morning like last week before we went to the lockdown um maddie prince and he has a crossfit in brazilian jiu-jitsu background and i just learned so much off him and same thing like there's you know what's overtraining for me isn't overtraining for him what's mm -hmm. and vice versa like he might be able to do he might be so conditioned to do deadlifts but then my back might be completely ruined by doing deadlifts. So there's different capacities. Like I might do one deadlift day and that's overtraining. He might do four in a row and he's fine. So you've got to get in and do it yourself. Yeah. And that's the, like in the end, you can go down, listen to as many podcasts, go do as many courses, go do as many uh, different things. And unless you're executing, unless you're going out and doing that, putting the diet to use, testing on, on this, testing it on other clients, experimenting, especially if you're looking at being a coach is like going down different avenues. And, but I think like, I, this is where I, I always argue that we have it so much better because we grew up when there was none of this shit. So we can shit test it with anything we know. And I, like, I don't know yeah, if indeed. you had the similar thing cause you were being training, you had foundation of training a really good physique when you're going through uni. And like, I was doing the same thing. We're, we're doing like, they'll talk talking. I was like, no, that doesn't seem fucking right to me. Like they're just talking like strength <laughs> phases. Like when, especially like the muscular endurance, muscular strength, muscular hypertrophy, 10, like 10 reps, eight reps for strength or like five by fives for strength. Um, hypertrophy was something like 10 and endurance was 15 reps. And like, it just does, does. So you're saying you can't grow strength off doing more than 15 reps and it's more of an endurance holy hell you're pulling a freaking shit ton of weight and uh you, you do 30 <laughs> mm, exactly i mean the thing is like you're always gonna like even if you're doing hypertrophy it's always going to translate into your strength there's no specific oh if i do 10 reps i'm going to only build strength mm. um you know if i do 20 reps i'm going to only build endurance you know it's 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 complete garbage you know you're going to build strength at 30 reps you're going to build strength at 20 reps but the focus is going to be more on endurance more on muscular like you know your anaerobic glycolysis more on your parasympathetic nervous system in like overcoming that fatigue whereas if you were just to do five reps you know yes you're still going to build endurance as well but it's going to be predominantly a strength focus you know there's a there's an overlay within um within your different rep ranges you're not just specifically working on one thing like the textbook says and it's the same thing like you know the thing that people need to understand is 
like the, the human body is always being like, we're always learning so much more about the human body. Now just look at the food pyramid. Now 20 years ago, we were getting told that bread and pasta and you know, carbs were supposed to eat like eight to 10 servings a day. And you look at it 15 years on and now you're eating them sparingly and it's like fats and um, fruit and veg are the highest thing that you need to eat. It's the same thing with your training. You know, we will always be learning new things about the body. So a certain rep range now might not be the rep range that's going to be like um, educated on in 10 years time when they've done new study and new research. So again, you've got to take things with a grain of salt. You've got to understand the principles but execute yourself and then um, formulate your own response based on your own body. Yeah. And that's just, I've gone over this so many times in the podcast is tribalism with whatever you have. Like if you're a power lifter, you only do power lift, CrossFit only do CrossFit. There's no other way. Bodybuilders only do bro splits. Um, and it's, it's nothing like that. It's merging in the middle of, you can take, like you say, take a little bit from everyone, take a little bit from this and then develop it into physique. And in the end, like we hear things and we're like, in my head, if I hear something, I'm like, that sounds like crap to me. Like I don't, can't see how that works or, and you just like, it goes against the grain. Like some of these, um, different things and people like even with nutrition, people getting tribalism on veganism, on paleo, on bloody keto and us in the industry watch the like uh like especially i've watched over the last couple of years is like the nutrition brands jump on and like start advertising like you don't hear any of those freaking caveman paleo bars anymore now they're out now they're keto sticks (laughs) and now the keto sticks are gone and you watch the next expo there'll be vegan sticks like all these vegan bars i guarantee exactly (laughs) (laughs) that's paleo sticks yeah, exactly. Like where where they go? <laughs> all those paleo bars. <laughs> oh mate, like I, I don't even think I had one. <laughs> I used oh. to I used to go around the the expos and I used to absolutely load up on quest bars when they were good. Um but that's about it. <laughs> yeah. Um this kind of just takes it into the next is you train with a lot of so you've done what was it, WFF? Is it NABA? Yeah. yeah. So NABA WFF. Yeah. yeah so I've, I've actually competed in both. Yeah. Cause one's a model model and one's a bodybuilding. So <clears> you didn't win your first show. What made you go back? To be honest, mate, like I went back because I was pissed. <laughs> yeah. I was absolutely pissed. And like, this is where I was saying before you need, you do need an ego because your ego is going to drive that, you know, that mentality, but you need to have it in check. Um, you know, I came out of my first comp in the ICN and I lost terribly. Like I was pretty defeated, man. And um, that next comp, I remember actually walking off stage and just feeling like a complete and utter failure. I'm like, mate, this, this went so differently in my head. You know, like yeah. I was supposed to win. I was supposed to do this. Like, rah, rah, rah. But, um, and then I remember my coach Glenn at the time, um, I just signed a contract with Athletes Attitude to be one of their sponsored athletes. And I walked off stage, I was feeling defeated. And Glenn, because um, I was quite close with Eric from the Ballarat store, but Glenn was the owner of the, front of, the, um, of the business. And he came up to me backstage and he grabbed me by the head and he's like, bro, you have the best physique on stage, but look at this, you know? And he showed me photos that he took while I was on stage posing. He's like, what can you see? And I looked at it and like my tan was like completely white. You couldn't, I washed out on stage because I wasn't dark enough. And this is where like, 
I wasn't humble enough to accept coaching. I'm like, I'll do it myself. I'm, I got this, bro, you know? Um, and it bit me in the ass. And Glenn's like, mate, you had the best physique on stage, but you can't see shit. Come to me. We'll get you right. We'll get you back on stage and we'll make it happen. And that was the start of that. You know, we started training with Glenn. He absolutely hammered my ego out of me and just completely broke me down and built me back up. Like, you know, emotionally, physically, like I just, and he had such good leadership and he was such a good coach. I just wanted to perform for him, but not just for him because he saw the, saw the greatness in me and having that guidance and that belief that someone else believed in me. And at times when you're competing as well, like when you don't believe in yourself and your dieting is hard and you, know, you, you can't train and you're losing lots of weight and you can't do the things you want to do, like having that external belief from someone that you look up to and you respect is what will push you through. And that's what pushed me through to compete the next comp. Not only because I had that mutual respect, but because I wanted it too. And we went to work together and you know, I was, you know, I came back later that year and it's funny because I competed bodybuilding later that year, not fitness model bodybuilding, which I had to get later for. But then I also did a WFF show, which was a non-tested federation in the WFF, you know, still as a natural. And I remember doing that show and I did the bodybuilding on the Saturday with A and B and then the Sunday I did the WFF and I wasn't going to do it, but I'm like, no, nah, I'll, I'll do it. You know, I'm already lean. And I remember doing that show and I ended up coming first place and it felt effortless, you know, <laughs> and I'm not saying that because, you know, it, it was like, I'm not saying that to, to sound arrogant or cocky, but you know, like it just compared to the first time when like, I was just, I was just blown away. I'm like, wow, like I come first this time, you know, whereas last time I competed for fitness model, I come dead last. And it was all because like what we were saying before, I humbled myself, you know, I was able to accept coaching from someone who was better than me, who could see more than me and who could see me for who I could be and not who I was at the time and who had faith in me, myself and, and who we could work with and make something great happen. And yeah. And yeah. And I think that's like the best of the athletes come back from something like that. Like they, the best athletes, all the pros, a lot of those dudes don't win their first show. And it's like that mm. really proves from what you can do from then on. Like you're setting the bar. Like that's where like I tell a lot of my guys don't have a lot of pressure on your first show because it's like you don't want to absolutely kind of like get smashed. And I've seen people either win their first show and then come in terrible and never compete again or they get smashed in their first show and then it's just like they're down on themselves and then they rebound out and they never do it again. So it's like don't take that first show as a loss. It's like, this is the st only the start. This is where now you're going to build on and become super competitive and keep pushing and pushing. Like I didn't place in my first show either. And then eight shows later, won my first show and then come down, win Australian titles and world titles. And I never would have won that if I had probably won my first show. I would have been like a one trick pony in a way. Exactly. Exactly. And it's the same thing with anything. I mean, you know, you've got to push through those hard times and if, and I think you would have been the same as me, but your first show compared your first prep compared to your second prep <laughs> is a night and day difference. You yeah. sort of go into it. You're like, wow, I know exactly what I'm getting in for this time. Yeah. Like I remember the first time I was prepping, I'm like, man, this sucks. Like I'm hungry. I'm, I'm low on energy. I'm this, I'm that, you know, like my libido is right down. Like mm -hmm. I'm just, I'm tired all the time. Oh, I'm craving shit that I never craved. Like, 
but then you go into it a second time you're like wow like i'm more motivated now because i know what to expect yeah you know? and you don't have that upper hand the first time around and you everyone it. goes in with these yeah these ginormous expectations for their first show and you know i always say to people you know getting up on stage for your first time that like everyone wants to win, but like just the fact that you got there and you're tested, you're like, you're putting your body through things that it's never gone through before. This is unknown territory. So it's great if you win and if you place really well, that's awesome. But this is you figuring out what works for you, how you react to things and how you react to a prep. Yeah, for sure. So one thing you mentioned before was that you did compete natural in the untested. Why, why, why stay natural and why are you, are you going to stay natural for forever? Um, yeah, it's, this is a really good question. And, um, no, to contrary opinion of a lot of people, I mean, I get this, you get this, you know, mm -hmm. a lot of people will, will look at us and automatically, you know, assume that we're enhanced because it's convenient for them, you know? Yeah. And it's like, I'll like, you know, we, we do like, I, mean, I do like have a good physique You know, I've been training my ass off this, you know, my, my entire life. And, you know, the past four years, I've only put on two and a half kilos of muscle tissue in four years of training every single day, dieting all the time, seven days a week, relentless, every single session, two and a half kilos in four years, you know, and, and unfortunately that's the lifestyle of a natural. It's slow. It's, you know, it can be tedious. It can be monotonous. It's, but it, again, it comes down to your values. I mean, I never, I mean, for, for me personally, like it comes down to like, I never felt like what we were saying before. I never felt insecure about my body physically. Mm. So I didn't really feel the need to compete um, like and, and, and do drugs. Um, and I even, you know, even competing in the, in the WFF in the NABA, I mean, I remember one of my preps, you know, we, I competed in Nava WFF. The main reason I did was because my coach Glenn was, um, was, was like also helping run the Federation as well. And I wanted to support him, yeah. um, especially with the AWA Bendigo classic and the Tasmanian classics. I always wanted to support my coach. Um, but I never had a problem with competing in an untested fed. You know, I even competed in the national championship. I remember pumping up on stage with guys, you know, 30 kilos heavier than me, stage weight, 30, 40 kilos heavier than me. And I didn't have any quarrels because, you know, it comes down to your values. Why are you training? Why are you competing? Like, who are you competing against? You know, are you competing to win and get a trophy and be the best and be like, oh, yeah, I won. That's great. Which everyone, like everyone, that should be the goal. You know, everyone, you don't just want to jump on stage to jump on stage. You know, you, you want to do well. But it comes down to your values. I mean, my value most of all for my body is health, health, wealth, and to be an example. I can't look someone in the eye who looks up to my physique and says, oh, wow, like, I want to look like you. And I'm like, well, you got to do what I did, which is, you know, delve into the black market, put your body on the line and risk your health for an aesthetic appearance that's got to mask some sort of insecurity that you have about your body in whatever way, shape or form, you know, like end of the day, like it's, it's a gamble. You're playing Russian roulette with your hormones in your body. And especially the dark side of the industry is something that I've seen a lot of friends go through. And it's not something that I want to be a part of. You know, I, I take pride in the fact that, you know what, like when 
when I train, this is all me. Like this is my mentality. This is my vision. This is my project. And it's nothing but hard work here. Not to say that like, I've got nothing against people that, um, you know, that enhance. But for me personally, it's just something I've never felt the need to do physically or emotionally never felt the need to do. And it's something that I don't want my body to represent. I don't want my body to represent something that is dependent on a compound and it's all well and good. You know, like people say, Oh, you look amazing. And I'm like, Oh, thank you. A lot of hard work, but I also take steroids. You know, there's always a, but I don't want there to be a, but you know, yeah. and I'm not, I'm not saying that people who do enhance, like, you know, like, can, like nothing against it, but I don't want to ever look someone in the eye and say, <clears throat> I look the way I do because it's all hard work, diet, sleep, and exercise. And steroids. And something else. <laughs> and yeah. just keep, keep it you know, and I, say I, it on, on the low. And steroids. <laughs> exactly, man. But, you know, you just imagine looking at a 16-year-old kid in the eye and someone with, you know, with they might have body dysmorphia or you know, yeah. people might look up to you. And, you know, you represent your own personal brand. And if I want my personal brand to represent hard work transparency and integrity in my training with a mentality that is governed by my values, which are health, my wealth, and I'm in, in my mentality, you know, and I, I take pride in the fact that, you know, I can comfortably compete and train with guys that are, you know, in that other, in that other arena you know, that are enhancing and yeah. I'll still outwork them. And that's the where yeah. I was just about to go to. You train with a lot of people that are enhanced um, and that do take drugs and they're not silent about it. How do you find like training wise, keeping up with those? Like I, I was mind blown, like watching you train. And when I first started to meet you that I'm like, you're training in like a pretty, like it's no, no secret. There's a lot of guys that train that are on gear um, that you train with. And it's like, where do you put yourself that you, well, you never went down that track, but you're also not making that an excuse for you to fall short. Yeah. I just never used it as an excuse. I mean, the thing is like, it's everyone stays in your own, like, you know, my, my coach going to say, no, Z stay in your own lane. And that's exactly what I did. You know, like it's, it's just, I never felt like if they're on their own pilgrimage, they're on their own journey. That's a part of their journey. That's what they want to do. Great. That's fine. Yeah. Um, but I'll still, I'll still keep up with them. I'll still outwork them if I, if, you know, if I'm, if I'm fitter, if I'm stronger, you know, a gear is not the be all and end all. You know, people be amazed by what they can do as a natural athlete. You know, yeah. the, the capacity, like people will be amazed and it's so easy to just be enticed by the temptation of, Oh, you know, like, I'll, I'll just jump on this. I'll just jump on that. Whatever you want to do. Like that's, that's fair enough. But there's been not one point in my career where, I've looked at someone who is enhancing and thought to myself, you know what, maybe I should, you know, just do a little bit of gear. Maybe I should just dabble. Like it's not something I want to do to my body. And yeah. that's where your values for your training have to be so strong, so concrete. If you don't have strong values, you'll be persuaded by anything that comes up. You know, you want to do this. Great. You know, I know a guy you want to, you know, you like, it's, it's so easy to be, you know, pulled off but you, you know it's sort of like that rock water mentality you know you've got to have you've got to be the rock within this place you know your values are your rock water moves around you 
you are not persuaded by what other people are doing because you don't care what other people are doing. You're only focused on what you're doing, you know? And if that, if you're doing this for yourself and yourself only, then you don't need to worry about anything. You can train with people that are enhancing, that are gearing and you can still have a great time. It doesn't matter. It's just like training with anyone else, but you operate within the parameters and in the construct of your own values for fitness. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. <clears throat> I haven't thought about it that way as well. It's weird. Like people ask me, like, have you ever thought about it? And I've just been like, to be honest, I haven't even been fucking exposed to it. Like, I've like been maybe my circle and all that are like legit. So nat natural athletes that I almost forget that it's like even out there, even when I look at like people that win IFBB um, physiques and all of that, that I'm just like, I still think that potentially like with what I see with a lot of natural athletes is it's definitely plausible and being natural is going to have its own um, like condition wise. And it's got, got its own little bits of strength, I think, especially in the physique class bodybuilding, mm -hmm fucking story but um but yeah in phys physique i think like it definitely helps with conditioning and things like that oh definitely it's a different look too i mean yeah I mean, yeah as, yeah, an, as a natural it's, it's a completely different look i mean it, it, for guys like us if we want to diet down like we just look unhealthy and skinny you know mm. it's we, we, I, I can't maintain like, when i competed in the naba um for the nationals against you know like boys like andrew ford and, and and um, Reese Evans and, you know, Mike Pearson, and all those sort of guys like who were you know, 30, 40 kilos heavier than me. Yeah. You know, they, they come on stage and they're full. They look like they've just been pumped up. They're vascular as hell. Guys like us, we, we just don't have that. Mm. We, we don't, we can't maintain that. The body isn't meant to look that way when you're 4% body fat. Yeah. But there's ways around it, you know, like you can, you can, yeah. you might not have the, the size, but you can work on your conditioning. You can work on your posing. And that's why I loved WFF because WFF was all about conditioning. And that's why I got away and did well and placed first and second in the WFF because even though there was guys that were bigger than me and that were you know, on, on taking more, you know, taking compounds and all that sort of stuff, you know, on steroids, whatever they were taking to, to get lean and to look big, it was based on con like conditioning was favored in the WFF. And because it's a natural, you can get leaner than as someone who's taking steroids, that's where I got away. And I just like really made up with it with my posing. Yeah. 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 True. And that's, yeah. I like the stage presence and things like that. It's just the number one thing. Um, mm. Going down, let's talk now coming into the future. You signed on with Cellucor as one of their athletes um, over the bit. You've had a background in nutrition warehouse supplements gone quite deep down that side. Um, now as a cellular athlete, here's a little bit of advice. The number one, one of the number one questions you're going to get is bro, how do you become an athlete? How do you get sponsored? So what are some, some of your tips behind that or your little journey that you have to get like attention of a brand? Basically like with, when it comes to like a brand, like understand what your values are and then, um, look into the company Mm. Um, the, the business, the brand that you want and see if your values align with their values. Um, that's probably the, the, the biggest thing because if there's like, if, if your values aren't congruent with the values of the brand and you're just doing it for product or you're just doing it to get something, then there's automatically a disconnect and people feel that like yeah. you're going to promote something, you're going to promote a product that you actually don't use. You use something else. Like 
you know, it's, you, you kind of just a fake, bro. I mean, it, it's just no point, you know, so, so find a company, one that, that has values that align with your values and they can go on. Um, two is probably be network. <clears throat> Definitely. It's not what you know, it's who, you know, um, I was fortunate enough to be you know, connected with yourself and with Pete. And like, I was always at the expos. I was always in the places where the people were like you is sometimes it's just being in the right place at the right time, popping your head up enough times. And then all of a sudden when they're going to look for athletes, they're like, Oh, I remember this guy yeah. who was at the expo or Hey, this guy actually, you know, he volunteered to do it. No, he volunteered to do um, a promotion for us or, you know, again, that's another thing like do free work, like give, 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 give. No, don't just expect to give and take. Mm. Like offer something. You know, a company's going to invest in you <laughs> if they're going to get a return on investment. Yeah. Um, and yeah, like, you know, again, like in times like now where we're in COVID, it's great because you can literally, you don't even have to go anywhere. You can just post something on your social media. Sure. You, know, you can tag the page. You can get yourself out there like socially online. Um, so probably the biggest three things is get your values to align, make sure you network and know the right people. And third thing is just give back, just give, 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 because you know, it's your, you know, your harvest will come. You know, if, if you putting out enough and you're giving back enough, you will get noticed and all three things will come together. And, you know, hopefully you're fortunate enough there where your values align with theirs and they're looking for someone and they might take you on, but you know, it's just about, yeah, it's, Probably the best advice I can give. Well, for, for a background as well, because I saw the other side of pretty much how you kind of got on board as well is like that you were kind of around, like the biggest thing with you is like you, you, you were using so many sell your core products. And like, I remember taking photos of your bag when it was just packed full of C4 and packed full of alpha amino, <laughs> sending it to like yeah. when Sean, Sean at the time <laughs> being like, God, this guy has more subs than me and I, I'm an athlete. Um, so it's just, and then practicing <laughs> what you preach and obviously, yeah, your connections being super well connected. Um, and like those well connections were not from like any accident. You went out and introduced yourself to people and um, things like that as well. And I think that's just to mm. kind of tribute to a person who you are is just get, getting mm. out there and being like a human person, like interacting with the right type of people and all of those type of things as well. Mm. And that's where like coming expos and things like that, you, that's where I think you, you'll be super good on expo stands because you relate to people and things like that as well. Mm. So last question. Um, this is one, one I ask with every single person on my podcast. Um, how am I going to re read this one for you? So I've done a lot of people that do it for comps. I want to do it maybe a little different for you. And this is pretty much three, three ingredients that you would give someone on the, on their come up. Um, let's say they've done a few bodybuilding shows. Let's do it on this back context to give it a little bit more like context on the way. They've done a couple of bodybuilding shows. Um, they've been a little bit in the fitness industry and they're looking to be like, be a lot happier. Maybe they're so focused on competing, um, a lot like quite stressed on the time. They don't have purpose. Um, where, what would be, say, if you have a little bottle of medicine, you can put three ingredients into that bottle, which you can just give to someone and they're going to, look, we're going to break this off. They're going to have a happier life on that side at post comp. And then the other bottle is they're going to get your mindset of training when you're in the gym. Like when you switch on, 
what are the three ingredients for the gym and what's the three ingredients for that life? All right. So <clears throat> let me just try and wrap my head around your question a little bit more. So three ingredients um, first, like, like, like physical ingredients and then three yeah. ingredients so like as me, mental ingredients. More, yep. more just let, we'll break it down first. We'll go into the gym side. So for, for the gym, you've got your average goer who's just coming in. Yep. You give him this bottle and he turns into Z beast mindset going. <laughs> what are yeah, those yeah. three things that you've put, ingredients you put in that bottle? <clears throat> All right. So for mindset, definitely like the first thing I would tell anyone is just consistency. Yeah. Um, no matter like consistency, it's going to bring you emotional stability, which is probably the main thing within your training. I mean, how many people do you see that are emotionally unstable within their training because they go one day and they miss the next, they go one day, they miss the next. And when they miss the days, they eat more, their habits spiral out of control. They go back. And then when they're in their gym training, they're regretting what they did the day before. Like, you know, it's consistency is the main thing I would say to anyone. So consistency, um, the next one would probably be, how do I put this in one word? Um, so you've got your consistency, you're in the gym training actively every single day, like whatever work habit you've established for yourself. Next one would be just to be relentless. <clears throat> you know, you're in the gym, you've made the commitment. Now understand and establish what standard do I want to set for myself? You know, what, what kind of, you know, what kind of athlete do I want to be? What kind of trainer do I want to be? What type of, person do i want to become like like set yourself a standard that embodies all the different outcomes that you want physically emotionally spiritually like whatever you want to do just set that standard and be relentless in it um and the third one is probably jeez the third one's it's funny like i know all these questions in the inside of me but like actually articulating them is a different thing um so you got your consistency, you got being relentless. Relentless. And so the third one is just a Yeah, like comes off that relentless. Like you can be relentless for a week. How do you be relentless for a year? Comes down to your standards. So if you come in and you have a standard of work that you do, it's gotta come like it's when when you train, it's like I need to be accountable to this standard of training that I have. Mm. So you could have days where like everyone has days where you're not feeling it. Everyone has days when, you know, you don't want to be there. I've had, like I have many of these days, but because my standard is so clear, I know that as soon as I get in, it's just a habit. Like I, it's just, an, it's a, it's a norm now, like where I go 110% and beyond, you know? So it's, it's kind of like that personal covenant. What I was saying before, you need yeah. to you know hold yourself accountable and take yourself, ownership yeah. of that. Hmm. And um, probably the third one is, it's just a, it's just be passionate about it. I mean, yeah. you know, yeah, it's probably, probably the biggest thing, you know, like passion is a very, um, it's a bit of a cliche these days, you know, find your passion, like do what you're passionate about. Like, but the thing is like, be passionate about the outcome. You know, you can be passionate about the process, but like, look, very few people enjoy actually getting in and tearing their muscle fibers to the point where you're almost crying or like just exhausting yourself. Um, but be passionate. That's why I say be passionate about the outcome, the outcome of looking better, feeling better, being better. And then eventually over time, you will actually start, if you're relentless and you're consistent, 
you'll start to enjoy the pain. You'll start to look forward to it because every single time you enter a set, it's you versus you. You're testing yourself. You know, it's 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 your proving ground. You know, and if you have those three things and you stick to it, you know, and it might take two, three, five years, then eventually you'll create a work habit that's consistent. It's reliable and you can, it's predictable. You can predict the results on that and you will, you know, you will move forward and, and get those results that you're after for. Yeah. And they would all, they almost like flow really well into that other scenario as well. That is like the whole, like, person finish comp and then what and then it's like mm. almost exactly the same thing be relentless find a goal um and be and find something you're passionate about and continue on from that as well and it, like that it can be put into so many different contexts and the reason why i say like you know almost like have it as a personal covenant and not as you know don't just train because you want to do a photo shoot or train because mm. you want to do a comp you know, these are things that are variables, you know, they come and they go, they're sporadic. Like you can't like, like they're not constants, but a value system and like a, a standard that is a constant. So automatically, if you're basing yourself off a standard and off a value system, you're much more emotionally stable. I mean, how many people do you see, Jake, that like they finish a comp and they're just like, oh, what is life? No, what do I do with training now? Like their emotions are all over the place. They binge eat, they get fat, they cry, they try and diet off the diet and then they, the metabolism spires out of control and then they don't know what they're doing with their training and it's just a, it's just a mess. And, you know, I, I see like, you know, that's why, because it's not constant. It's not a constant. A comp or a photo shoot is not a constant. But a standard and a value system within your training is a constant, you know? Yeah. So automatically you're more emotionally stable. And then if you do want to do a photo shoot or a comp, it's an addition. It's not an obligation, if that makes sense. Yeah. 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 That's true. With your covenants and your, like your value system and that, is that something that's physical or is that just something that you've got inside your head? Like, have you got that somewhere where you wake up and look at it and, um, something like that, or is it just something that you've DNA built into you and you've signed off your own kind of contract? Um, it's both, it's both physical and psychophysical. So like, obviously like the standard of how I want to look and like mm. I value looking good. Like I value like a, a look that I like to have for myself. Like I'm, I'm a massive perfectionist too, like a super perfectionist. Um, yep. so like I do want to, like, I do want to look fit and healthy. Like I want to like, I want to look like good year round, you know, I just don't want to look good for comp. I want to look good year round. So it definitely is physical, but the mental side of it is the more important thing because the mental side, if I get, if I nail that with a relentless work habit and with a standard that governs how I look and how I train and how I eat and how I live, then it will automatically by default reflect the physique that I want in my physical standard. If that makes sense. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I like that. And how like it's just like how consistent you've been over the three years that you're just constantly like fire that it's not like you get your whole New Year's resolution. But and this is like one of the things that I keep saying. This is like I asked that last question just to see like those people that I consider like top top of their top of their class. What makes them that absolute freaking animal? Is it a DNA trait? Is it something like how can you have someone like? you or I going like hell for leather in the gym, 
sticking to a nutrition plan constantly, making sure this, and then some people can't even do a week, um, struggle on a nutrition plan, do all this, they're just like a different type of person. Well, well, like, I think like the first off, I just want to say like, I mean, like I'm really humbled and honored that you think like I'm, you know, like at this higher class and like, but there's, there's so many more, like there's so many more people that, you know, like for me, like I see that as, you know, I'm just doing my thing. You know, there, there's a yeah. lot of those other pro athletes that are you know, actively out there that are more consistent, you know, more disciplined than, than you and I, but you know, I'm really humbled that you think that, um, but just to give a bit of, bit of context. So, um, I don't really think there's one particular thing that makes someone, you know, be accountable to their diet or their training and someone who's not. Um, I honestly think it's just, it's almost, it's, it's, it comes down to your mentality again. You know, it's so for some people, you know, are you outcome focused? Are you someone who follows through with what they say they're going to do? Yeah. Are you someone that doesn't give into temptation? Are you someone who can has that stickability, that tenacity, you know, that fortitude to push through when things are hard, you know, like, again, it comes back to that passion. You know, you could be passionate about your training, but Hey, what are you going to do when it gets hard? You know, what are you going to do when bad days? Exactly. You know, you've got to push through because you, you know, your, your integrity, you know, your, your personal integrity Uh of backing yourself, and doing what you say you're going to do and following through with that competition outcome with whatever you're doing. Um, it's a mentality and it's, it's not something, and the good, the good news is, is that it's not something, it's not a talent, you know, it's, it's not something that you're born with. Sorry. You know, it's something that you can learn. It's something that you can develop and anyone can do it. You know, you might not be born with the best genetics, but you can develop a mentality that will facilitate, you developing the best physique or winning a show or looking amazing in a photo shoot or following through these are learned skills you know and it's never too late yeah yeah that's insanity well we've dropped some absolute gold bombs this is one (laughs) same podcast i reckon um where can people find you where can they reach out ask questions things like that i'll chuck everything in the show notes as well yeah, cool. So guys, like if you ever want to reach out to me, like I'm always, my inbox is always open. You know, whether, whether you want to talk about, you know, fitness, mental health, like training mentality, you know, um, or just, or just life in general. Um, you can find me on Instagram. Um, my, my Instagram is Anthony Z cat and, um, or add me on Facebook. Um, Anthony is cat. So I'm sure Jake will put the links in, um, yeah, in, in the podcast, but yeah, <laughs> but yeah, guys, feel free to ask me any questions just to reach out. Let's have a chat. I'd love to get to know you guys. And that's the other half. Like we didn't even touch on some of the deeper, like knowing Z on the other side of his business side. He does a lot of self-development, um, a lot of things like that. So definitely anything down that hit him up and uh, question him, give him a follow because he's going to be up to some absolutely interesting stuff and get a little look at <laughs> our meathead sessions that we throw um, once coat oh, is over. <laughs> it's um yeah, once this is over mate, like it's it's pretty it's pretty interesting times, but you know what? Like I think the major thing for a lot of us here is that it's just going to give us so much perspective. Mm. Like just that freedom to to enter a facility or enter a gym and to be like, you know what? Like we took all this for granted for so yeah. long, you know, and now, 
They're just little things like being able to train in a facility that's where you don't have to wipe everything down. It's just, you know, like we're, we're interested, we're entering interesting times at the moment. And, you know, I'm, I'm just glad that I can jump on here and offer some value to whoever out there is listening. Um, but, you know, guys, we're all going to get through it and we're going to come out bigger, stronger and tougher on the other side. With a hell of a lot more gains to make. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Right, and um, Anything else? I think we're good, bro. I honestly think we're good. You know, we've covered a lot of things. We've dropped a lot of knowledge bombs and, and yeah, like I I just really hope that the, the audience got some value from this. I know I have. So yeah, guys, it's, it's been, it's been great. Thanks for having me.